Welcome to the Codish podcast. My name is Becky Jaimes. I'm a product manager here at Heroku, and I'm really excited to introduce you today to Francois Hogiern, a lead engineer at Open Collective, and also Danielle Adams here from uh, Heroku, who is the language owner at Node.js. So uh, welcome, Danielle. Hi, everyone. I'm Danielle. As Becky said, I'm the Node.js language owner at Heroku. So I work on the Node.js build packs and the tooling for your Node apps. And Francois, uh, welcome to the podcast. Do you want to do a little intro about yourself and tell us a little bit about the Open Collective? Yeah. So my name is uh, Francois Audierne. Uh, I'm engineering director at Open Collective for uh, a bit more than one year. And for um, the one who don't know Open Collective, it's uh, it's a platform that helps uh, communities uh, raise money and um, operate with a transparent budget. And um, to uh, raise money on Open Collective, you don't need a, a, an entity. You don't need a bank account. You can um, just uh, use uh, the platform like that. Oh, that is really cool. So this is basically for groups that just need to, for example, raise memberships or raise donations. It's kind of like a crowdfunding for uh, mostly nonprofits, or do you also do for profits? Most of the projects are, are nonprofits. Uh, they are we are uh, having a lot of uh, open source projects. Uh, we also have meetups and uh, citizen initiatives. Oh, cool. And you also mentioned that you don't have to be a legal entity. Is that correct? Yeah. Open Collective itself is a platform where nonprofits named Fiscal Host can uh, connect and host themselves the, the projects and the communities. And so, for example, we have um, a nonprofit named Open Source Collective that is hosting all uh, open source projects. We have uh, fiscal host uh, in Europe, in UK, uh, in uh, Belgium, and um, the projects uh, are technically hosted by uh, this non-profit, uh, not Open Collective itself, which is uh, the platform. Oh, interesting. So the, so the hosts are independent entities from you guys? Yeah, e exactly. So some of the difference I understand from Open Collective from other platforms is that well, first of all, is the full transparency that everybody can see how you receive and spend the money, but also that you are allowed to have um, kind of like a recurrency in this in these collections. Is that correct? Yeah, you don't need uh, the legal entity behind you. You don't need the bank account, and you can just finance your community through the platform. Oh wow! So okay, so now switching back a little bit more to the technical aspect of it, you're a lead engineer there. Yeah. How many people work with you? Um, we're a really small company. Uh, we are uh, six people full-time and um, three people engineering. Okay, and and you you most of your project is in Node.js, is that correct? Yes, um, we, um, this is something that um, was there before I joined Open Collective, but what we're doing is 100% uh, JavaScript. And so when it's on server-side, uh, it's Node. Um, on the client, it's uh, obviously JavaScript. And um, we're also using um, Cloudflare uh, Workers, which is also uh, JavaScript. 
you find that, do you think that your teams are more efficient by working with one language rather than two or three languages? Um, yes, uh, I think it's, uh, it's pretty great to not have to do this uh, switch in your brain uh, to move from uh, one uh, language to the other. And um, that's um, and also this, for us it's um, it's easier because we don't have to ask ourselves uh, the question uh, which language is the best for uh, a precise project. Uh, we do JavaScript by default, and uh, whatever uh, who's gonna be lead the developer on the project or whatever it is. Do you take care of processing payments and all that stuff, or do you use like a library for that? How how do you set it up? So for processing payments, uh, we rely on uh, Stripe for credit card transactions, and we also supporting uh, PayPal. We would like to integrate more payment methods, uh, and um, we're gonna expand uh, slowly. To store data, do you use do you use uh, Heroku Postgres database as well? Um, yeah, we um, we use uh, Heroku Postgres. So if you go on our on our GitHub, first you have to know that also um, everything we do at Open Collective is JavaScript. That's one thing, but also everything we do is open source, and so you can just uh, go on our, our GitHub and you'll see everything uh, we're doing on the engineering side. And um, if you go on our GitHub, you'll see that we have two main projects. One is our API, and the other is a front-end. And so the, the API is a um, GraphQL API, so uh, powered by Node. And um, we're using um, PostgreSQL uh, as a database, and um, it's running on Heroku. Is your team distributed? Like the people, how many people did you say are in Open Collective Engineering team? Um, right now we are we are three, and we're currently hiring um, a fourth person. We were we are one hundred percent remote. Oh, cool! So you, where are you located, and where is the rest of your team? Um, right now, uh, I'm working uh, with uh, we're working with uh, Ben from uh, from France. He's uh, splitting his time between Paris and the source of France. And um, we have um, a young engineer uh, working with us from uh, Nigeria. Do you take, um, since the repositories are public on GitHub, do you take um, kind of outsourced pull requests or um, kind of work with other people that are outside the company? Yes, definitely. And um, this is something that uh, we are really trying to, to expand. At Open Collective, uh, there is a core team, but there is also the, the whole community around it. And uh, what we're trying to do uh, in, with the engineering team is to blur the line between the core team and the community. And um, to do that, it's, uh, it's a good start to have um, the projects open source and to operate as a 100% open company, uh, you can, if you want to join the team, you can uh, just uh, jump on our Slack and you'll see uh, what we're doing on a daily basis. What were, what was missing is um, an incentive for community members to, to, to contribute. And um, 
What we are exploring since last February is a, a bounty program. And the goal is to attach uh, a small amount of money on some uh, key issues and to invite the community to, to contribute. And um, we use like a, a simple model, $100 for a really simple issue, $200 for uh, a medium one, and um, $500 for a more, more complex issue. This was a um, great success. We saw something like 45 issues uh, solved in the last month by um, 15 contributors, and we paid uh, over $7,000 uh, in this bounty program. And um, we're um, going to try to expand that even more in the next month. Okay, so bug bounty programs are, I think, becoming more popular because there's an increase in kind of... Uh, not awareness, so not popularity of security, but more of awareness. And a lot of companies don't have the funds. So doesn't even bug bounty doesn't have to be security related. But um, so like, if someone wanted to get involved with a bug bounty program or get started, how would they do that at Open Collective? The first thing if you want to contribute to Open Collective is um, to maybe um, clone uh, the Open Collective um, project on your computer. And um, so we have many projects, but um, the, the main one would be the, the front end, which is uh, our website and all the interface. You can just clone it on your computer and it will be running with a staging API, meaning that you don't, have, you don't need uh, complex dependencies. You just do a git clone, npm install, and um, npm start, and um, you can already uh, execute it on your computer with some uh, data. If you want to start contributing, you can look at um, the classic labels uh, issues, like a good first issue. But um, for our Bounty program, we are, we're using a specific label, just uh, Bounty, and you can use um, this label to search all the um, open uh, issues with a bounty. So wait, so you're already labeling them as bounty and you're just expecting people not to find these vulnerabilities, but to solve them, to help you fix the code and solve them? Or So it's important to understand that it's not just about vulnerabilities. It's, uh, it can be uh, bugs, it can be really small features, small enhancements. Today, we have many, many issues in our, in our GitHub. Everything we do is uh, transparent. Today, it's maybe uh, 300 open issues. And we're only tagging a small portion of that with this uh, bounty label. Which kind of issues are we picking? Issues that are easily understandable for newcomers that are uh, easily deliverable. So um, the person working on it understand what they need to do and what they need to achieve. And of course, they need to be simple enough to be, to be solved in a, a few hours, uh, maximum one day, because after that, it's uh, too much asking uh, for community members. And these community members that uh, you, you mentioned 45 45 this past month? 
45 bugs or bounties? Yes, this was uh, the last stat. We wrote a blog post. Uh, maybe we can uh, give the, the link. Oh, that's really cool. And uh, there is also a spreadsheet uh, with all the data. But um, last time I checked, it was around 45 issues solved from uh, 15 contributors. And where, where are these contributors mostly located? From all over the world, really. Uh, Europe, from uh, Japan, but a lot of them are actually in Africa right now. Uh, a reason for that is that we partner with um, a movement named Open Source uh, Community Africa. And we had uh, small events there to introduce our, our bonding program. And um, this was uh, really well received because uh, I think the developers there, they're really happy to have access to uh, a great project like, um, like Open Collective and uh, be able to contribute to it and get money for it. The main countries we, we've seen activity in Africa were uh, Nigeria and Kenya. So what does your deployment pipeline look like on Heroku? For So you have JavaScript in the front end and JavaScript in the back end. And so those kind of build and deployment pipelines are probably a little bit different. How do you have that set up on Heroku? Or tell us as much as you can. <laughs> so our stack, as uh, I said before, it's two main projects. So one API on one side, GraphQL API, and the other side is our front-end, which is running with uh, Next.js and React. And so these are two completely separated projects on Heroku and uh, in the code base also. And um, for each of these projects, we're running one staging and uh, one production. And so when we want to do a release, we don't have to push to these two projects at the same time. We do either an API release, either a front-end release. And um, we first releasing uh, on staging. And if everything is uh, fine, we're running, we're um, deploying on, on production. And um, we actually are not using anything uh, fancy for these deployments. We just have a script that is deploying with um, Git, and uh, this is a feature of Heroku that uh, I really liked. The, you pioneer this uh, deployment with Git, and it's still there. And for me, this is uh, the best. So I was going to ask you, um, this kind of goes back to the project that you all have open sourced. I did take a look at it, and I was curious. I saw that you're using Next.js instead of um, kind of a home-rolled like, React uh, application you're using next. I was curious, like what went into that decision? Did you look at using um, Create React app or did you try that? It didn't work. What was the appeal to use next? I joined Open Collective one year ago and uh, next was already uh, there. So I didn't pick it myself, but uh, I would have picked because uh, I think it's uh, really br brilliant. In the past, I I've built um, and uh, worked with React app and we had to, to do all the configuration manually, especially the server-side rendering, and um, also the, the Babel configuration, Webpack configuration. 
And the fantastic thing with Next is that you everything is done for you, and you can just uh, code. And um, all the basics are really sensible, and it just works. We are really happy with Next. We are upgrading every time there is a new version, and uh, are working closely um, with the Next.js team. Actually, I, I recently learned that um, the uh, a team at Google uh, in the in Chrome is um, is currently working on Next.js performance, and they're they're using uh, our application, our front-end project, as a, as a benchmark for the optimization because uh, they're really happy to have this uh, this complex app that is uh, realistic and open source. So I was also curious because this is Next is a framework that uses React and some of the React tools in the ecosystem. And there's also other web frameworks uh, like Angular and Ember. Um, what is the, so like, what are the differences in um, like using Next? I mean, you do get React, but um, against using something like Angular, which is, or Ember, which is like a little bit more opinionated, or are there any differences at all? For me, the main reason uh, picking Next is, is React. Uh, I would not use uh, Next if uh, it was not a, a React framework. Why do we like React so much? It's a bit uh, like why we're picking JavaScript. Uh, we, we pick JavaScript as, your, as our main language because we think it's a bit the linga franca of uh, the in the programming uh, world, and um, React it's a bit of the same for the uh, UI side. It's something that we expect uh, almost everyone uh, willing to contribute to know, and um, this is a kind of choice that we are making in our tech stack is to to not be surprising and to bet on tools that are uh, really loved and used by many people in the community. So I'm curious, what now? since you are working in front-end and back-end, both with, um, with JavaScript, what are your favorite libraries in the ecosystem? And then what are, what's also kind of your favorite features uh, about using Node? So... First, um, one thing I really appreciate in the, the ecosystem is all these uh, fantastic libraries that are well tested and that you can always rely on. And for example, uh, we're using Express, we're using Lodash, you, we're using Moment, and uh, this this one are my highlights. They're always working great, but they also have uh, a great website with a super fantastic documentation and they really take care of uh, their upgrade properly. And um, I really like this kind of uh, uh, libraries. Some uh, some projects that we uh, we really love, and um, but it's not uh, it's not just Open Collective because I think everyone uh, are using uh, them is uh, Pretia and ESLint. I don't know if you know Prettier, but it's a, it's a formatter, and um, it's it's so much better since we have this tool. Because in the past, uh, when someone was doing a pull request, it 
half of the time was spent uh, arguing about uh, the formatting, the indentation, and uh, with Prettier, uh, it's automated and there is no discussion after that. So um, that's really a, a time saving. And um, we using ESLint in a similar fashion. It's um, it's doing just a bit more than just formatting. It's also uh, doing some static analysis to uh, to tell you when uh, you have a, a variable that you're not using or uh, something that is um, doesn't look right in your code. And um, it's the same way. It's saving so much time, especially when you have um, third-party contributors um, contributing to your code base. Since you are such a Heroku advocate and Heroku user, I want to know what are the top three or like your top features you love from Heroku that you think everybody should like love to, or or if you have any any. I mean, I, I'm part of the product team, so if you have any things that need uh, that you want us to change uh, and enhance, also this is this would be a great opportunity. So the floor is yours. Uh, overall, um, it's not just with Heroku, but I'm usually a really happy user. <laughs> I, I, I don't complain that much. Um, but uh, I mentioned that uh, before in the discussion, but for me, the, the top feature of uh, Heroku is deploying with Git. Uh, I don't see that in all the services uh, and uh, or any platforms that make that so easy. So uh, never change that, please. <laughs> and um, the second thing that I really appreciate the uh, Heroku dashboard, because um, everything is there. You have the, the last activity, uh, who deployed, when. If you're in a big emergency and you need to roll back, you can just uh, log in in the web interface from your phone and just uh, push the rollback button and here you go. And um, same for scaling. Um, if um, you are on duty and um, there is a lot of traffic suddenly that you need to scale um, and that the, the automated scaling didn't trigger, you can just go in the web interface and adjust it. It's really handy. Also, the uh, the integrated metrics, they're kind of basic, but um, they cover what is really needed. And at Open Collective, we have a project to have more detailed metrics that we're going to report for more app. But uh, why we didn't do that yet, it's because uh, overall, um, the metrics we have in the Heroku dashboard, they're, they're good enough or they were good enough until now. And that's um, the fact that you have that out of the box, it's uh, it's really pretty cool. That's really, that, yeah, that's, I totally agree with you. Those probably are also my favorite. And how about something that is not there, you wish it was there? I think this will be an opportunity to answer this question is to um, first mention something I like. Um, are the, um, the Postgres and uh, Redis integrations. Really like them because uh, they're first-class citizen and um, you can um, 
do the administration also from uh, from your dashboard and they are pretty reliable. But um, this is the only one that are really um, uh, integrated uh, in Heroku. In the end, it feels really better when it's uh, when it's integrated right in your Heroku dashboard and that you don't have to go uh, somewhere else. And for example, uh, advanced logs will be really great to, to have integrated. Yes, that's true. I'll make sure to pass that over to the other product managers. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was great. It was great having you. Thank you so, so very much for your time with coming to the end here. Thank you. If anybody, so this is actually a good moment to, uh, I learned a lot about Open Collective in preparation of this podcast, but I think it's a great platform. Uh, the two major differences it has with other fundraising for, from our crowdfunding platforms um, really do make a big difference. Uh, the full transparency and let, letting everybody see how you receive money, how you spend it, and also having the ability to have those uh, recurrently help you, like, like that it allows you to raise money uh, with recurrence. So, for example, uh, get membership or donations on a monthly basis. It was really nice. So, if anybody wants to um, help, help any of the cool projects that are in open collective just head over to opencollective.com you do have also a slack channel so if if more people have um, more questions and they want to engage with you can i send them to slack.opencollective.com yeah um we are a 100 percent open community this is the way we operate and everyone is welcome to join our slack or github and um, we also have some meetings um, that are uh, public. For example, uh, our meetings uh, on Friday where we demo new features, what we've worked on. So, yeah, this is a way you can uh, join our community. Wonderful. Well, thank you so very much. It was a pleasure having you. Thank you for chatting with us. Thank you for having me.